What's up Villa fans, Mark Oldacres here with another episode of the B6 broadcast. This one's going to be a recap of Villa's 2-1 defeat to Liverpool at Anfield. It's now nine games without a win for Villa and with just five matches left, uh, it's getting late now for Villa to try and salvage their Premier League status. Plenty to talk about, so let's just jump into the analysis on this one. Okay, so just to kind of give you know an overview of of, uh, of the events of the game, Villa's you know game plan worked pretty much to perfection for the first over an hour um, of the contest. Certainly the first half and uh, into the second half as well. Um, a harsh goal in the end conceded. Uh, by Sadio Mane, who makes a habit of scoring against Villa. Of course, scored the uh, the fastest ever Premier League hat-trick, which I was unfortunate enough to witness down at Southampton a few years ago. Um, but this was his sixth goal against Villa in six appearances. It was certainly harsh on, on Villa, but the quality of Liverpool just kind of showing in the end that, that we lack. And then an even harsher second goal in the dying minutes of the match by um, a youngster, Curtis Jones, who just signed a new contract with Liverpool, coming on to to add to Villa's uh, defeat, and and really, it was a harsh scoreline, two nil in the end, um, and I think everyone involved with with Liverpool would probably agree with that as well. So talking about kind of how the game played out, um, as I referred to Villa's game plan, and this is certainly a credit to Dean Smith and to the players themselves, actually as well, um, really worked worked well. Um, Liverpool obviously had a lot of the ball, but especially in the first half, Villa's defence seemed to be coping with it really well. Uh, and also, we did a good job of when we were winning the ball back, at least being able to progress that attack into Liverpool's half, if not the final third. Um, which was kind of a bit of a contrast from the Chelsea game, perhaps at, at Villa Park, where the defence was limiting the chances, the clear-cut chances at least, that we were giving up. But every single time we won the ball back, it was a, a punt, a hopeful punt up to, to Keenan Davis, who couldn't make the ball stick because there was no one within 30 yards of him. And uh, the ball kept coming back and back again. This one was, was slightly different. Um, we did work some, some really good opportunities in the first and in the second half um, in terms of the areas we managed to get into with the ball. But... Unfortunately for Villa, as it has been since the restart, it's just that that final crucial part, um, you know, the final ball being right or the finish being being right um, to to take the lead in the game to give you something to hold on to, and um, ultimately that's kind of what what was our downfall in the end. Um, I think the turning point of the game was definitely the triple substitution that Liverpool made. Um, in the second half, I think it was after after about an hour. And um, I think you could see at about the hour mark that we probably needed to make a change as well. Just in terms of the the midfield starting to look a little bit tired, a little bit stretched. And Liverpool working some more promising uh, situations there. But it's such a difficult situation for Villa at the moment. Because whereas Liverpool could bring on Jordan Henderson... Roberto Firmino and I think it was Oxlade-Chamberlain as well. All in one motion, three players that would quite often be starting for them um, to give them an extra gear and some extra legs. Villa's best midfield was quite clearly out on the pitch. I don't think it's any secret that 
Grealish, McGinn, Louise are our best technical footballers, um, certainly in that midfield area. So to sacrifice one of those players, you know, how do you pick one that you really want to take off when at that point the game plan is still working and those players are, are actually giving you an opportunity on the counter-attack to create something as well? It's a difficult call to then take one of those players off when the game is still nil-nil and bring on a, a Nakamba who's obviously got got legs um, and can, can defend well, but with the ball is, is offering you very little. So that's, that's kind of where the quality of Liverpool showed uh, ahead of us, I feel. Um, and that, that definitely changed the game. the game. The goal, the opening goal from Liverpool just coming about 10 minutes later. Um, I know Dean Smith has complained about it several times and John McGinn actually mentioned it a couple of times as well in his post-match interviews about the, the new five subs rule. It's no secret that it, it really hurts teams like, like us, like Villa, that are uh, near the bottom of the table, don't have as much depth in their squad as Liverpool if things aren't going well for a Liverpool, a Chelsea, a Man City. They can make sweeping changes, um, quality players off the bench and um, take advantage of, of maybe some of your tiring players. I know Dean Smith gets criticised for not making substitutions early enough and I've been one to do that as well, to criticise him for that. But in this instance, such a difficult situation. Um, you know, in terms of he's looking around his bench and there's not an awful lot there that's really going to improve us at the moment which is obviously a problem. Um, just want to talk about the actual goal itself, the first goal, um, and kind of where it went wrong from Villa's side. It was a, a pretty decent move from, from Liverpool, but um, the first thing that, that I think we do wrong, really, is Konza follows. He's, he's picking up... Um, he's picking supposed to be picking up Cater, essentially, over on the far right-hand side um, with Courtney Hawes just inside of him picking up Roberto Firmino. Firmino makes a little run into the box, kind of towards the penalty spot, and Konza, for some reason, bites on it when Hawes is picking up Firmino anyway, so it's not really necessary. Konza kind of bites on it, and he only moves himself like a yard or two, but that just opened up a space for Trent Alexander-Arnold to thread the ball through to Cater, where if Konza hadn't made that move, if he, if Trent tries to play that pass, Konza will probably easily cut it out. So they obviously worked the ball wide to Cater there. Um, and then as the ball comes in to Sadio Mane, probably a few players really here that I thought were, were kind of not doing their job. Um, Neil Taylor can see Sadio Mane, but picks him up too late. It's too late by the time he gets there. Mings gets dragged towards Firmino, um, who'd actually got behind Hawes, so that's a little bit more understandable because Mings now knows Hawes can't see Firmino um, and someone needs to pick him up. That's a little bit more understandable, but had he stayed where he was when the ball comes across, he would have probably cut it out. Um, and then also Douglas Louise, John McGinn and Trezeguet all were on the edge of the box for Villa didn't pick up any runners to the point where you had Mane, not just Mane, but Wijnaldum as well, both completely free in the box. Um, and that is the kind of thing you can blame on a little bit of tiredness um, and kind of the concentration slipping, which when you play the kind of lack of possession game that we were playing, 
you can't have lapses in concentration and unfortunately that was just one from a few players at the wrong time and uh, and that's what happens a team like Liverpool will punish you so nothing massively wrong that we did but just that little bit of an extra you got to you got to keep that concentration for the full 90 minutes if you're going to keep a clean sheet against Liverpool um I saw a stat that that was actually the latest the latest Liverpool have opened the scoring at home this season. So pretty good effort from Villa, has to be said. Um, but obviously not quite enough in the end. The second goal, I don't think there was too much to analyse, to be honest. I'm pretty sure Rayner would have saved the shot if not for a deflection by Mings. Um, and as Connie Dean-Smith alluded to, I think at that time in the game, we were just kind of chasing the ball around and you're a bit tired and, and these things happen. It's a classic kind of counter goal at the end there when, when you're pushing for an equaliser. Um, unfortunately for Villa, it's another another game um, without a goal, another game without a goal from open play as well. Um, still haven't scored one since Bournemouth, Bournemouth away back in February, um, which is which is obviously massively frustrating. As good as the defence has looked, the the attacking side of the game we just don't seem to be able to find the net at the moment. Um, just talking about kind of the performance as a whole when you look back on the game yesterday. It was kind of the story of our season a little bit in that in the games where we have played well, we haven't got the results that our general performances have deserved. Um, and obviously you can put that down to a little bit of bad luck, which of course you need a bit of luck. But also it's just kind of a, a lack of ruthlessness, I think, that Villa are, are lacking at the moment. Um, but I have to say, I was really proud of the, proud of the performance of the players, you know, as a Villa fan walking away from that game, obviously frustrated, um, feeling we should have got something from the game, but you can only be proud of the effort they put in that the game plan was, was a good one was working, but just always that frustration of, of not getting something out of the game when you've got a chance to, um, I think the, the main, the main issue was that as I said, we worked the ball into some really good areas and we just wasted too many of those good positions and good opportunities. And when you play a big team, you are eventually, inevitably, going to get punished for that at the other end. Um, I think that the biggest, most glaring one kind of thing to me was a couple where Grealish was um, was running towards the box. There was one where I believe it was, it was 4v3 or 4v2 and... This is sometimes where I kind of, with Grealish, think he just needs to play the game at a bit of a quicker pace because the players in front of him, Villa's, Villa, his Villa teammates, were looking to him for the ball and they were almost slowing their runs down because he wasn't moving with the ball quickly enough. You know, this was supposed to be a breakneck speed counter-attack and Grealish is just kind of like ambling forward with the ball. Um, he did eventually work the ball to El Ghazi, who managed to have a shot, but it wasn't as good a position for El Ghazi in the end as maybe it could have been, or he, he could have even played it to the other side had he just had a bit more urgency. Um, Oxlade-Chamberlain caught him up in the end and he had to kind of make a decision. Um, and then there was one where Grealish cut in from the left and had a shot which was well well blocked by Van Dijk. That was a good position as well. Um, Grealish did put in a really good cross as well, actually in the first half and with his left foot and there was just nobody there. Davis, I think, kind of made the opposite run to the one he would have needed to make instead of bombing it into the six-yard box. He uh, sort of held back 
for the cutback instead. Um, so just kind of those those what if moments again of good areas, good chances, but we don't end up getting a meaningful shot off. Um, I have to say that we're certainly better defensively than we were. Liverpool really struggled to get through us yesterday, which is which is obviously really good to see when you're playing a team as good as Liverpool is, who can quite easily stick a lot of goals past you, and especially at the moment when. You know, we've just moved up a place in the table because of how bad Bournemouth's goal difference is. Um, to not go and lose four or five to Liverpool was important. It means that we stay 18th, and, and obviously we're we are just a point behind Watford, um, and only a, a couple of goals behind as well. Um, overall, we're definitely improving. There's no doubt about that, and we do have a chance of staying up, but we just need to be more clinical and. Frankly, the players just need to deliver in key moments, um, attacking and defensive-wise. All right, moving on then. I just want to talk about some players kind of um, individually uh, that I've frankly got anything to say about. It won't be all the players, you know, some just had a kind of an average day and there's not really much to say. But I'll just work my way through kind of from um, from front to back. So Pepe Reina um, in goal, his first start since uh, Leicester away, that horrible evening for him and for Villa. His distribution was really poor, I thought, which is unlike him and, and kind of his his best attribute. So to see kind of goal kicks going out for throw-ins and, and things like that isn't ideal. Um, but in terms of actual kind of the other work, definitely more confident than Nylon coming and claiming crosses and, and just holding on to them. Um, and the two goals he couldn't have done anything about. So kind of just not a spectacular day from him, but it was, I, I suspect he'll keep his place for the next game. Let's say that. Moving into the defence, um, Tyrone Mings. I thought he was really good, actually. Um, winning the ball in the air, granted, he probably didn't have as as much of a, a big threat up there, you know, to contend with as as normal. But there was more of what we're used to seeing from him in terms of when he when he's given the ball deep in our half, able to kind of take the ball past a striker, get his head up and and, and at least nearly pick somebody out or play a decent ball down the line. Um, and just a, a bit more of an assured performance, I thought, from Mings, a bit more kind of what we've come become accustomed to. Um, moving across to left-back, Neil Taylor, I have to say, the thought of just like when... When you saw uh, Adama Traore warming up in the Wolves game to come on and face Neil Taylor, the thought of Mo Salah versus Neil Taylor was not something I particularly wanted to entertain for too long. But Neil Taylor held up really well. We, in general, managed to get him in a situation where he wasn't exposed too often. He wasn't asked to kind of um, hold up on his own very often. But that's most most fullbacks don't want to be left one on one with a player like Mo Salah, um, and I thought he I thought he was effective. Um, as I said, he maybe could have picked up Mane for the goal, not the only culprit in that move. But overall, I was really pleased with with Neil Taylor's performance, and I'm one of his biggest critics. But it was it was a solid display from him. Uh, up into midfield, Douglas Luiz. Um, I wouldn't say he's I don't think his passing was as good as it's been in previous games. He kind of wasn't dictating it as well, but. In fairness, he had kind of less targets to aim for and and less opportunities, I suppose, as well, with the amount of possession that we had being so low. 
Um, it wasn't like he was being given an abundance of options to pass to, but it wasn't quite as crisp or as accurate as we've seen. But defensive, defensive improvement was on display again. Um, the amount of times getting back, winning the ball. Um, I know Jurgen Klopp thought Liverpool should have had a couple of penalties for um, Douglas Luiz daring to put his hand on on uh, Mo Salah's shoulder and he flopped to the ground. But I thought he, he handled his defensive duties really well, getting tackles in, interceptions uh, on the edge of our box and just being where he needs to be. It's unbelievable the improvement that he's made in that area since before the break. John McGinn, really pleased to see him looking sharper, uh, more sure of himself and just more involved in the game. Um, he had the most the most dribbles uh, of any Villa player in the game, which is much more like him, getting on the ball and driving forward. And uh, the John McGinn arse was back in full effect, shielding the ball with his arse and then sort of slowly being pushed down to the ground by uh, by the defender behind him and winning free kicks. It actually makes me laugh every time it happens because it's uncanny. No one else in the league can do what he does. Uh, it's, it's so bizarre but effective. Um, and then Jack Grealish, uh, some some sloppy passes, and this has become a little bit of a thing. He, he walked John McGinn into a yellow card with a poor pass to him, and McGinn had to then go and lunge after the ball and brought down um, Oxlade-Chamberlain. I believe it was, but um, provided us with a great chance, as I said, with that left foot cross, and if not for an absolutely unreal save by Alisson, he would have had a goal, you know, right at the death. It was a, it was a, a good enough shot from Grealish. There was nothing else he really could have done. He was going to stick it right in the bottom corner, but just an, an incredible save, to be honest. Um, Anwar El Ghazi, I wanted to give him a mention because... I've been critical of him since the restart. He hasn't been involved enough or, frankly, courageous enough when he's had the ball. But it was really good to see him breaking out some skill moves, you know, a couple of back heels, a couple of step overs, and just generally taking on fullbacks and defenders. I know this doesn't sound like a lot to ask from your wingers, but we our production from them in that regard hasn't been enough. Um, El Ghazi's goal and assist production has been pretty solid, but... He hasn't been positive enough with the ball at his feet. And I know that's a frustration for a lot of Villa fans. Um, so it was good to see him kind of uh, not afraid to to stretch his legs and take people on. So I thought it was a much better performance from El Ghazi. Um, and he was able to get some crosses into the box and cause a few problems that way. And then finally, Keenan Davis. I thought it was just a kind of a solid, a solid but unspectacular performance from him. Really tough assignment going up against uh, Virgil van Dijk. I'm sure he'd have preferred to go up against Dejan Lovren, but um, you know, Jurgen didn't fancy that. So I thought I thought he held up well. Um, there was one kind of opportunity he had where he pinned pinned uh, van Dijk, got the ball fed into him from Grealish, and turned him. But the touch was too heavy, and if it was if it was the right weight, he would have been able to get a shot off, and you know maybe would have been a goal. But um, yeah, just a solid, a solid workman-like performance as we've come to expect from him. Um, so looking at man of the match, this was quite a difficult one for me actually because it was kind of just like a good workman-like team performance from Villa, um, but there wasn't really anybody that stood out to me that much. Um, so I, I took a look on on who scored um, the stats website and uh, the man of the match for the whole game per who scored was actually Alisson 
the Liverpool goalkeeper. So that's, I suppose, a credit to Villa um, in some ways. But Villa's best player, based on their, their rating from who scored for the game, was actually Neil Taylor. And you know what? <laughs> it's hard to disagree that he might have been our man of the match purely because he was just so rock solid um, in general. Like, in general player, he just really didn't do much wrong at all. Um, and with how hard it is for me right now to pick a man of the match, it's it's hard to disagree that, that he might just be man of the match. So I think I'll just give it to Neil Taylor, honestly. Um, fair, fair play to him. But as I said, the goal is a little bit of a blemish for me because um, I think he could have done better. Um, and he actually had again. This is all. This is all per who scored's stats. Uh, Neil Taylor actually had two key passes, which is obviously passes that create a chance or are into you know good areas that lead to a chance. Uh, and only Jack Grealish had as many as many as that for Villa. So you know, pretty good performance from Neil Taylor. Did not see that coming, but there we go. Neil Taylor, man of the match. I'm going for it. So finally, I just want to look into some, um, I just want to go over some stats. I'm actually going to put out another podcast tomorrow with kind of a deeper look at some more detailed stats. So this is more kind of like surface level stuff, but just to go through it, shots, Villa actually had more, um, as Dean Smith, you know, mentioned, and, and it's a good stat for Villa. We had nine shots, Liverpool only had six, but on target, Liverpool had four, two of those being goals, of course, we had three, um... Our pass success percentage was only 66%. Obviously, when you're playing counter-attack, that can happen. Whereas Liverpool's was 85%. Um, of the aerial duels to be won, Villa won 58% of them. So, obviously, more than half, pretty good. Possession, uh, only 28%. As I mentioned, it was very low. But it was always going to be that kind of game. Um, and then just something else that I noted was that most of our, the majority of our ta- our attacks came down our right side. So Konza and El Ghazi. And on the other side of things, live, most of Liverpool's attacks came down that side as well, going the other way. So um, obviously with Robertson over there. And that is kind of the one thing I did notice was that Robertson had a lot of space um, for most of the game. I know he put the cross in for the second goal, but in the first half, that big switch pass over to the left-hand side for for Robertson they were finding him Liverpool were in quite a lot of space quite often and the majority of the time we did get over there and close it down but that side going both ways is obviously where the action was Um, and it's probably uh, kind of a one thing leads to the other and vice versa because Robertson vacates that space so often to go forward that meant we could get in behind and get some attacks down there but then when we attacked down there it left more space for him and so on and so on so um, that was just something I noticed but it was as I mentioned earlier it was good to see Al Ghazi getting back involved in the game and um, getting on the ball a bit more Um, so yeah just to kind of wrap up I suppose looking forward this isn't this wasn't a game that that any of us reasonably expected to get any points from we could hope that we would frankly the the performance we put in is what I hoped we would do I hoped we would be in the game have a chance to get something we did that obviously we didn't deliver Um, the players at the moment seem like they don't have a lack of confidence which is really good um, despite the amount of losing and I understand what Dean Smith says about 
feeling a sense of building momentum not through results but through performances and that the performances are getting better and better and that the players seem and the manager the coaching staff they seem steadfast that the results are going to come and that is the mentality they have to have they cannot be oh we've lost again you know down in the dumps if you lose a game but you've played well they have to keep using that as fuel and keep going and going and going and I'm seeing that at the moment and that does give me hope for the games that are left um the key will be will we put in these good performances when they I suppose not matter because they matter in every game but Crystal Palace at home Everton away West Ham away those three games are the games really where we need to target wins because as I've you know, mentioned before, draws at this point aren't going to help us out too much. Um, will we deliver in those games? Because that's always been the question with Villa this season is sometimes against the big teams, we turn up and we run them close and we, we play well, but we don't get maybe the result we deserve. And then when it's a game where we think, right, this is a game we need to win today, Southampton away, you know, who were pretty poor at home all season, um, games like that, Watford away, where we just absolutely lay an egg, like just turn up, well, don't turn up, quite frankly. That can't happen now, between now and the end of the season. But fortunately, that hasn't really happened yet. We'll see if we can we can build on kind of the, the performances that, that they are putting in and uh, hopefully it'll be enough to grind out a few results, a few favours along the way to keep Watford, uh, Watford down there and Bournemouth down there. And uh, we can do this, definitely, but obviously running out of time now. We've just five games to go. So, yeah, as I said, I'll be back tomorrow with another podcast, kind of looking in a bit more detail at, uh, at the stats from the game. Um, there'll also be another podcast later this week, possibly uh, previewing the Manchester United game. That's going to be a tough task for us, obviously, as well. But uh, overall, yeah, if you did enjoy listening to the podcast, then please uh subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts you can follow us as well on twitter at b6 broadcast but until next time up the villa